Why do you worry? If you're not a Christian right now, please listen to the One Sheep Podcast episode entitled, What Must I Do to Be Saved Straight from the Bible? You know, one of the things I find most disturbing about Christianity today is the amount of worrying Christians do. Their lack of faith, their lack of obedience, and their desire for a political leader that could save them. They're like the early Christian church. They, too, were looking for a political figure to make Jerusalem, dare I say, great again? Recently, I joined a few Christian Facebook groups, hoping to reach more people with the podcast and give them some inspiration and motivation to preach the gospel. Unfortunately, it seems to be the same topics from group to group. Topics such as, if Jesus saved your life many times, type Amen. Or, if you type Amen below this, insert praying hands picture, you will be blessed with many blessings tomorrow. This one kills me. If you don't believe in the preacher of rapture, then you are not really saved. Or, the King James Bible version has been mistranslated. And lastly, what about the thief on the cross? All this and more, coming up on the One Sheep Podcast. Christians today worry too much about things that do not matter two seconds after your heart stops beating. Instead of being obedient to the Holy Spirit, they get pulled in by the shiny swinging watch that says Facebook on it. It's swinging in front of their eyes. Satan is saying, you're getting sleepy. And instead of being about God's business, they go looking for a fight with another Christian about the timing of the rapture. You do know the apostles were all Jews, right? During that time, many Jews were looking for a political leader to save them from the Roman Empire. However, Jesus was never involved in politics. He did not even care who the current emperor was at the time. This was evident when the Pharisees tried to trap him by asking, is it lawful to pay your taxes? Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. And they brought it. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. My point is, he was not trying to make Jerusalem great again. He was about his father's business, and so should you and I be. If you do not know what is the will of the Father, it is the Great Commission, found in Mark 16, verses 19 through 20. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's break that down Barney style. Preach the gospel, make disciples, and do whatsoever I have commanded you. You need to read your Bible and yield yourself up to the Holy Spirit. You cannot be fruitful without the Holy Spirit. Sadly, some Christians within these Christian Facebook groups try to preach a false gospel message, like typing Amen is somehow magical and changes lives. Some pretend to be scholars and say foolish things, like the King James Bible is mistranslated. 
I use a King James Version, and I will give you three reasons why. Number one, the King James Version Bible was translated by 14 of the most educated men of King James' time. These men were hand-picked because they spoke and were fluent in two or more languages. In other words, they were all valedictorians of their time. Today's modern Bibles stem from most Alexandrian texts. Look up David W. Daniels and read his story. He was fed the same story as some of these chat room know-it-alls. In trying to disprove the King James Version, he came to discover it is the most reliable translation today and why he also uses it. Reason number two. I have used the King James Version for most of my Christian life and it has never failed me. And it is the most hated Bible of all time. Reason number three. The Holy Spirit has not asked me to change Bibles. He did, however, escort me out of an Ash Sunday service when I was a young soldier of 23 years of age and in military basic training. The Holy Spirit told me to get up before the service even began and to never come back. So I never entertained another Catholic offer to go to a Mass again. Most importantly, I believe I have the correct Bible. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit would have told me which Bible to read. Aside from Bible loyalty disputes, the chats are littered with prosperity gospel messages, usually from the Philippines or some other country that Benny Hinn has visited. The amount of scripture argued over in these rooms is sickening. I am reminded of the parable of the vineyard workers. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against a good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Many of you Christians arguing over the rapture, well, you have a surprise coming. You're going to be last to go, if you have enough oil in your lamps, that is, the Holy Spirit, and go at all. Those 144,000 Jews preaching the gospel in the 11th hour will be the first to go. How do I know this? Let's read Revelation 14, verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts, and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000, which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God in the Lamb. Did you catch that? First fruits. If you don't know what first fruits is, you might want to do a Bible study on that. First means first, okay? And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. That's something to think about. You and I will be last. 
because God is good and will give unto this last, even as unto thee, you and I. You and I will be last because God is lawful and will do what he will with his own. The 144,000 being the first fruits unto God in Jesus. So after we read about the 144,000, what does it say? Praise from the great multitude. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of these elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. The 144,000 shall be first, you and I last. For many be called, but few chosen. 144,000 is a chosen few less than a great multitude of the many that were called. Ah, Frank, but what about the thief on the cross? The thief on the cross reminds me of a kind of one-hour laborer. The thief on the cross had a different circumstance than you and I. He could not be baptized because he was nailed to a cross. He did not have to strive to enter in at the straight gate. Yet, he was told by God himself that he would be in paradise because he confessed to God's face his belief. Me personally, I do not like to hear about the thief on the cross. I'll admit it, I'm jealous of him. He has already crossed the finish line that you and I are striving for, and he did it in record time. The thief on the cross reminds us that with God, all things are possible. <laughs> <laughs>